Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast, brought to you by the OC Church of Christ. Let's dive deep into God's Word, learning new insight and taking a fresh look at the verses that impact our daily lives. Today is the second of our four-part study of First Peter. Here is Martin Chires. Well, I am really excited about what we are going to be covering here today, and I'm overwhelmed by what we're going to be covering today. And so as I wrestled and kind of prayed, okay, how do I go about this? What is the best way for me to go about this? I have a couple of goals here. One, I want to be able to read every verse that we have right here. I'm going to try. All right. I'm going to try. But then I want to just kind of pull out some major themes from those verses, leaving us with perhaps a clear outline of what's available there. Now, the goal implies that you would go back later this week, preferably in the next few days, and read along with these notes that you're going to be taking tonight and allow the Holy Spirit to meet you where you're at. Amen. And so that's a little bit of the goal here. As Eric already reminded us about our study guide outline, two things we're going to focus based on this outline is understand the context. So I'll kind of be introducing a little bit of the context there. And then we want to discern some major themes, which Eric already mentioned. Uh, Amen. And then we'll have some questions as we try to figure out how can we yield to God based on what we're learning from First Peter. So a little bit of understanding the context, right? And so in First Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 2, as it was mentioned last week, Peter is writing a letter to Gentile Christians, we believe for the most part, that live in this part of the world. And I wanted to show this map because you can see that they're away from Jerusalem and away from Rome. And so in some ways, when Peter says here, hey, God's elect scattered throughout the providence of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkle with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. There is a situation in the context that they're in, that in some ways they are scattered physically, right? They're away from Rome, from the center of the world. And so, but they're also away from Egypt, sort of the the headquarters, you could say, of the church. And so these people are far removed. And so they can easily find themselves not having a, a true connection or a true identity And I think Peter does some of the work right here to let them know who they are. And he reminds them of their true situation. That's a word I'm going to use a lot or phrase and their true identity. The order of these cities perhaps is also the way that the letter was distributed. So it started here in Pontius and then it moved to Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so that's also perhaps a way that that the letter circulated. There's a lot more that hopefully in the next two weeks we'll explore about how these the people here were living, but there's definitely a little bit of a marginalized feel that's that they're in, uh, a situation that they're in. And again, it could be social, but as we are going to learn, because of their new birth, because of their salvation, they are also 
outsiders in their world. They're also marginalized in a sense because of their faith. Hence the themes of suffering, hence the themes of salvation and the participatory language that exists here. Another thing to note here, you know, love the Trinitarian language here, right? God, the Father, the Spirit, Jesus Christ. And so we see that the mention, the acknowledgement of the, tr the mystery of the triune the triune God. Okay. So I'm going to be opening doors, scattering seeds, and you're going to be like, ah, oh, can you talk more about that? But because of the, the magnitude of our content, hopefully you can pick that up and take it into your own private or personal study. And then obviously bring it into the fellowship as you share with others, what you are, what you're learning. Okay. And so come major themes here, as mentioned, the overall theme, I think we could say is salvation and suffering for the sake of righteousness. What we're going to cover here is Peter gives us six exhortations, six urgencies, six challenges, perhaps. One is to have hope, to be holy, to fear God, to love one another, to desire the word, to build up the church. And so we're going to try and cover those six things. And again, it's good for us to then evaluate, okay, which one of these is the one that God is calling me to give a greater focus? Amen. Which one's my strength? What are the three strengths? I'll give you that question here at the end. And perhaps which one is, is a weakness? Another thing we're going to see here is the, the, how the, the intersection between your personal faith and the faith of the church, right? your personal decisions and what God is expecting of the church. And so this intersection that you can't be faithful without the church and the church can't be faithful without you. And again, these people, since they're scattered, right? They're, they're, they're exiles, spiritually speaking. It's so important for them to have deep, meaningful relationships with one another, which we'll see when Peter calls them to love one another. All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's read that. Is that uh, too small for you guys? It might be. No, you're good. All right. So it begins, praise be to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, search intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them 
was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. And perhaps that's a little bit example of how perhaps this letter was read out loud, right? It's a lot of information. And this introduction, it kind of, it's like a run-on sentence or a little bit by Peter. But many believe that this was a way of kind of a prayer, an introduction, a doxology of, hey, this is what God is doing. This is who God is. And this is who you are in God's life, in God's mission. And, and that's very important, I think, for us to, to understand, right? That, that, that God is a God who is in mission. So let's break down here a little bit. It begins with, you know, the praise for the coming salvation. And if, you, if we think about when it was first addressed that these are exiles, right? These are foreigners. These are people who perhaps are living in a very tough situation, whatever those circumstances may have been, whether it's persecution, lack of financial opportunities because they have pledged their allegiance to the true Lord Jesus, not to, you know, Roman gods and whatnot. They, they, they may find themselves in a very difficult social situation. And so to be Christian welcomed all of these disadvantages and persecutions that came along with that. And so their situation was very difficult. But Peter is letting him know, hey, here's your true situation. And so he says, you or your true situation is that you have a new birth, that you have a living hope that there's an inheritance in heaven kept for you and that you are saved and are being saved. And so I hope you can see that, that Peter is letting him know, here's your life situation, but here's the spiritual and life and real situation, which that could be very informative to us when we think about all of the tough situations we may find ourselves, but how important it is to not forget to remember the true spiritual and life situation that also exists despite whatever goes right or what goes wrong, what's tough in our lives. Amen. And so then you see this call to have a communal joy despite their suffering, right? And so in this, you greatly rejoice. And again, you here means you, means y'all, right? All y'all, that it's plural. And so Peter is already introducing them sort of to each other, right? And so that's why it's important that he mentions those churches that are nearby. Because if you're in Galatia, you're like, man, Pontius, well, they're, they're doing, going through the same thing. Bithynia, we have a lot in coming. Wow, I'm part of something bigger. I'm not the only one. And so Peter is introducing them to, hey, you're part of a great little community locally, but also in your region. And then if you look at the end of this verse 10 through 12, he says, hey, not only of this community in this region, but you are now part of the family of God, referencing the prophets, 
right? Referencing the Old Testament, uh, right? So that they can see themselves in their true situation and their true identity. That, man, we have been included in God's grand salvation plan. This is our true situation. This is our true identity. And so we see the acknowledgement of the challenges they are enduring, but a reminder that there is this future, there is this future ahead, right? That where Jesus is going to be revealed. And so in verse eight through verse nine, there's an anticipation of what's to come. Therefore, if that's your true situation, right, that you're heading towards this completion of salvation, then that should bring up love. That should bring up a great joy. And so in here it says, although you've had to suffer all kinds of trials, right? These are to be refining your faith. These are to be making your faith even more rule, more, more real. So I found it really interesting that Peter is not giving them direction to get out of their situation. <laughs> He's not giving them the direction to get involved in changing the dynamics of the Roman policies or whatnot, right? He's calling them to engage with the narrative of God's grand salvation. That first they identify themselves as these people who have been given a new birth and who are saved and are being saved. And so out of that true situation now, and out of that true identity now, they are going to become faithful participants in all of this. Another thing here that is worthy of noting, and again, we can get into this another time, but in verse nine, for you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, we've understood soul as something that's a part of you and separate from you. But the word soul is more inclined to, biblically speaking, of who you are as a whole. So soul is what one is rather than what one has, right? And so we think of soul as something we have, but the Bible actually means soul as who you are. And so there's this salvation and embodiment of participation in God. And so the resurrection, there's going to be an embodiment uh, resurrection, which we'll get to the end of the letter when it talks about all the things that God is going to be doing there towards the end, quote unquote. All right. And so <clears throat> we close things out. We see here uh, a constant reference to the past of what God was doing, God's activity in the present, and God's works in the future. And so we see this past, present, future rhythm all throughout the letter. And so it was important to Peter to let him know, hey, you have a rich past, not because of who you are, but because you've been saved, because you've been given a new birth, because you've been given a new inheritance. You are part now of God's family, right? And so there's connections there with the people in the Exodus because they are now faithful to God. So they are participating in that lineage of faith. And again, 
in their present. They have a unique identity following in the steps of Jesus. And that is why they are suffering. And the future is very hopeful, which is one of the upcoming themes, right? Because there's this, there's a savior, there's Jesus who's going to be coming and completing their faith. And so there's this rhythm to the past, present and faith, which is helpful to us because we can live in the now for the now. <laughs> and yet the, the letter calls us to look back, look, step back and see the grand picture of God's salvation from past, present to future. And when we do that, it changes our perspective of our true situation and it changes our perspective of our true true identity or enhances uh, rather. Amen. All right. So we skip over here to verse 13 through 21. Therefore, with my, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, true identity, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call in a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that were you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in this last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. And again, we see Peter moving them away from what they see and what they're experiencing to something bigger that their true situation, first and foremost, is a God-centered situation, that their true identity, it's a God-centered identity. And so it says right here, oh, here we go. Oh, I wonder if I can do this. All right. So it says here, with your minds alert and fully sobered. And this is, I just wanted to show this image, which I love. It's hilarious here, right? And so the meaning of being alert and sober mind is this image of gird up your loins. And so, right, it's this implication that here's kind of the, the tire they had, right? And so gird up your loins means you're about to go into battle. Or you're about to run. You're about to run from some wild beast that's going to, you know, catch you or, or you got to deliver an urgent message or you got to work in your house. Something is, you know, calls you to action. So, Here's some steps right here, you know, <laughs> and so you pull it up, you put it around your legs, you tie it up and what you're on the move. Right. And so uh, I figured I'd throw a sister out there as well. So just to be sensitive and fair, at least I'm trying, I'm trying. And so what we see here is think about that. If there's so much talk about the coming of Jesus and the faith to be completed, why would he say, have your minds alert and fully sober, right? And again, I think Peter is letting them know there's faithful work to be done here and now, though you have a faith that is going to be a salvation that is going to be completed soon. 
And I think the point is that Christians, that Peter is letting them know, don't live or think like you're in this, in this waiting space, right? Like you're in the waiting room, just kind of waiting for the real good stuff to come, right? Perhaps for, for us, it could be like when we used to go to the movies, if you remember what that was like many years ago now, right? You, there's previews and some of us pay attention to the previews, some of us don't. But sometimes we can look at our Christianity kind of like previews, but the real stuff is going to be in heaven. And I think Peter is saying right here, no, heaven is breaking in. The real stuff is now. And so he says in the now, he says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And so hope here is a living hope that was a reference to earlier, that the future that is ahead is again connected to our the past of what God is doing, but is calling you into faithful participation in the present. And because of this living hope, then Peter now moves on to the other challenges of hey, be holy, right? Because and you got to be, he's calling you to be to be holy now. And again, he lets them know in verse 14. As obedient children, right? Your true identity. You are a family member. And because you're a child and you have a father, what you do, how you behave, your lifestyle ought to resemble your dad, ought to resemble God. And so there's this call to be holy. Later, when you do a deeper dive of the context that they were in, it was probably very difficult for them to advance socially in their life if they were to be holy. Because in that culture, there was many immoral, impure, all from the, you know, everything revolved around pagan religion. All of the, the politics revolved around pagan worship and pagan religion. And so any business contract that you had to make had to be made within the, com- the covenant of that pagan religion. And so if you're a Christian, you're no longer making covenants based on this false god and idols and pagan religion. Therefore, you're going to be missing out on amazing opportunity of business deals, of educational, all kinds of different things. And so holiness, to some degree, meant missing out in the now. But it really meant to be faithfully participating in God's overall salvation story. And then from 17, verse 17 through verse uh, 21, we see this flow of, hey, father and children, right? That, that we, if we are children, we ought to be living a life that resembles God. And so Peter says, Live out your time as foreigners. Can you imagine how tough that might have been for many in the audience to hear? Man, I got to go pray about that one. Can you explain that one a little bit more? (laughs) Right? He's calling them to be faithful to God in the now, which meant missing out on a lot of, you know, social things that would benefit them. But God, but Peter is calling them to participate in what God's people have been participating 
all along, going back from Abraham, right? The prophet there without a home that he was promised, but he was on his way, but never really made it. And all of this imagery that Peter is inviting them to, which again, if we remember that, you know, most commentators think that the, the, the churches here were Gentile Christians. And yet Peter is counting them in with the Jewish heritage of faith, which is really cool, right? Because now they're being introduced, all of the things that God did and what we now know as the Old Testament. And so that is really, really great. And so Peter's moving them from here's your true situation. And now here's your true, your true identity. Amen. All right. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Therefore, because of this, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so up to now, Peter has been exhorting to them, hey, be have hope, be holy, right? And so he's calling them to participate in hope. And a reminder here, hope is not this wish, but it's this waiting for something that is guaranteed to happen. So hope is not this wish, I hope the Lakers beat the Nets in the finals this year. It's that's a wish. That's but a hope is no Jesus is going to be revealed. This is going to happen. It's just a matter of of time. And so Peter's reminding them to have hope. He's reminding them to be holy, to reflect in their lifestyle and their decisions who God is. And now Peter is calling them here to, you know, to have this, he called them earlier to have this fear of God. And now he's calling them to love one another, right? And you think about in their situation, if I can't have these social connections, I need to have great relationships with my church, with my brothers and sisters. If I really believe everything that has been sacrificed from the Old Testament till now and now, including Jesus, and I've been giving these relationships in this family, in this church, which he'll, he'll get to in a second, man, I, I, I really need to love them. And, and Peter says here, love them deeply, right? You all have been born again. So you are part of this God-centered family. And so the church also now there becomes this new social reality, right? That people are going to look into how they treat each other. They're going to look at how they live and they're going to draw the attention of people outside of the church, which I'm sure it led to perhaps more persecution, but also more opportunity for more people to see this set apart people, this holy people, this one God people, right? This people who have a unique relationship with each other and to be more drawn to also become new birth people, to also become 
faithful participants. And I hope all of that is painting a picture of how crucial our faith is, of how crucial our relationships are for those that are watching, but also for our faithful participation in the grand story of salvation, right? And again, this theme of true situation and true identity comes back into play. But then Peter's very specific here. He says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. These are relational sins. These are the sins that stick around a little longer, right? They are no longer worshiping pagan gods. <laughs> they are no longer, you know, full on in sexual immorality. But these relational sins of the heart are still present, are still around. And Peter calls them to get rid of them, not to tolerate them, not to manage them, but to rid themselves of these relational sins, which we should take inventory and ask ourselves, do I have these relational sins with my brothers and sisters right now? Is there malice? Is there deceit? Is there hypocrisy? Is there envy? Is there slander of every kind? There's a lot of kinds, right? You can look into that. Peter says, instead, you need to crave the spiritual milk. And so you see this exchange of these are the desires of the flesh, we could say. And here are these spiritual desires, right? And so we can choose what to desire. We can choose to desire spiritual desires. We can choose to desire the word of God. We can choose to desire because we know that God is good, right? We've tasted that God is good. And so there's this beautiful maternal imagery here that's pulling us in as children who are dependent on their mother to be fed. And so God is, is kind of pulling us into that kind of imagery to encourage us to grow and to be mature. All right. I think we might do it. We're almost done, but I may not do this format ever again. Okay. Uh, verse four, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house, true situation, true identity to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, the grass withers and the flowers fall. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now that you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone that the builders rejected has become a cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. A very complicated passage that we have to really be careful how we interpret that one. It says, but you are 
a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you were not a people of God, but now you have received mercy. But now you have received mercy, sorry. And so again, there's this, this theme kind of closing our segment here of their true situation. Though socially, though perhaps physically, there's persecution, there's suffering, there's all kinds of trials happening. Peter, God, the Holy Spirit here, they're not neglecting that. They're acknowledging that, but they're remind there's something greater happening. They have a, another true situation that they should consider. And that true situation is that they are being built into a spiritual house, right? That those who are accusing them, that those who are attacking them, that those who are persecuting them, that those who are there no longer in relationship with, if the people of God allow themselves to be built in this true situation and this true identity, it's like a spiritual house where many more of those neighbors and situations can come and be part of this family. And those that choose not to, the scripture says, right? Peter is saying like, you don't even have to worry about them. The Bible, the scriptures already say what's going to take place for them. Like you worry about helping people, <laughs> but those that don't want it, right? God knows what to do. God's going to figure that one out but you need to be who you're called to be, right? And so we remember this people of living hope, people that are holy, people that fear God, people that uh, love one another uh, deeply. And so, and then here, Peter sort of closes out rem reminding them, you are God's special possession, that you are now a people of God, that you now have received mercy, acknowledging that before they had not. And so this is a gift from God, which calls us back to verse three, the beginning where Peter says, praise God for this salvation he has given us. And so he sort of closes this part out by pulling us back into what God has given us, right? The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. And what our true situation is because of what God has given us. You know, as I thought about this section, thought about this image of, uh, you know, college basketball team, you know, playing together, winning together. And I just thought about, you know, how we have all of these trials going on, but you got to play for the team, right? And if you're familiar with sports, with March, you got to be part of the team. You're playing for the logo in front of the t-shirt, <laughs> not for the logo, not for the name behind, right? And so that's just sort of reminded me of this imagery that, that, hey, your true situation is that you belong to God, the name in the front of the jersey, but you belong to God so that you do have your last name as part of this jersey, but you're also part of this team. You're not on your own and your team has this purpose and you're following in the journey of from Abraham to God's people in exile to all that God has done to the prophets 
now Jesus and now what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so there's this language of the ongoing salvation of God and the incoming salvation of God and how we are participating. We're in between this ongoing and this incoming. And so everything about our lives matters, right? And so there's this personal faith along with a communal faith. You is plural. You is y'all, all y'all. And so a reminder that this is our true situation and this is our true, our true I identity. Amen. So how would you summarize the content of what we covered in first Peter? What surprised you from the points that were highlighted? All right. Two, Peter gives us six exhortations to have hope, to be holy, to fear God, to love one another, to desire the word, and to build up the church, right? To be part of this house, spiritual house. Those are six. Out of those six, what are your top three? And which one's kind of the weaker one for you, right? Just a quick, you know, evaluation, uh, examination of your faith, all right? And three, Peter reveals their true situation and their true identity. How can these truths guide our lifestyle and our decisions? What needs to change? What needs to be believed? What needs to grow? What needs to repent? Thank you for listening to Deeper Dive by the OC Church of Christ. If you want to get connected to us or want to donate to the program, go to our website, occhurchofchrist.com, or contact us through social media at the OC Church. Join us next time for our next Deeper Dive. I wanna go deeper, I wanna go deeper.